Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying. It is gone. Two nothing. Socks. Three and two. Jose crushes it. Left field side. Socks win. A dagger from Abreu. This was a guy, Jason, who I, I uh, is that his name, Jason? I just yeah, call him the Maui Jason. Jim Beach Boy. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel, Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. <laughs> oh, it's Bill Walton talking about his longtime broadcast partner, Jason Benetti. And Jason Benetti joins us right now on Hit and Run Right here on 670, the score joins us via the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Good morning, Jason Benetti. How are you, sir? Hey, Matt Spiegel. I'm better because I'm talking to you. Oh, right back at you. Right back at you. Um, you are a busy maker. You are doing things here during quarantine, and um, it's awesome. Uh, the messages of love that I'm seeing you deliver um, to people, it's like... You know, people charge for that, Jason. There's this whole thing called Cameo out there. You could be charging exorbitant amounts for for what you're doing, but you're doing it um, for free and seemingly out of genuine uh, joy and desire for connection. How dare you be so sincere and genuine and thoughtful during these trying times, sir? I'm I'm making the other side of me look awful. Um, The... (laughs) The thing about it is people are uh, sick alone and dying alone. And I know that's morbid, but it's kind of what we're facing. And it's it's actually what we're facing. And a lot of people feel nervous and lonely. And, and there's not a lot of reassurance coming from some uh, corners. And uh, if I feel like um, I'm helping even a little bit, it makes me feel whole. For the day and i hope that i'm able to make other people feel whole in some small way because you know if i'm being totally totally frank I, you know i i was i was sick as a kid for for a while for years you know i'd go in for surgeries in the summer and i know how important it was for my parents to be able to come visit me and for people to be around and for people to be sick right now and not have folks that they love around just saddens me to the core Oh man, yeah, that, that's it's so heavy, and it's beautiful of you to to share it that way. It's I, I can't imagine, and, and I'm 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 lucky to not 
be in that kind of situation. So the fact that you're able to to reach out and offer anything um, to those people, can, can you imagine having to plan a funeral and execute a funeral in these circumstances when you cannot do right by your loved ones in whatever way you want to? Just just absolutely brutal. And and I. I, I absolutely agree that doing doing an act of kindness of, of any kind, whatever you can do to try and help people around you or help people online or whatever it is, it, it gives you a sense of uh, a sense of purpose or a sense of comfort for yourself that at least you're doing whatever small bit you can do at this point. Well, and people's, you know, I, I, I applaud everybody who's doing things for charity and, and I have too, and a lot of people have behind closed doors. But um, people's hearts are hurting, too. It's not, it's not just about the economy, which it is about the economy. Like, we need to have a society. But people's hearts are hurting. Their, their uh, whole goal in life has been taken away in some regard. I, I know you and I both love the art of performance. You actually do it. I just sort of uh, watch people who sing and entertain. And for me, like, if you're a young musician or a young um, musical actor or something your your life's being taken away at this point and it's yeah. uh, no fault of your own and it's too bad yeah no it is i um m- my wife fortunately for me said that she missed seeing me sing because i haven't had any gigs and i put on a show for her on friday night i put together a little 10 song set oh. in, in the living room and grabbed my lyrics and grabbed some karaoke tracks and did a show in the living room. And we brought out like the stuffed animals from uh, my son's room. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so we had a little bit more of a crowd on the couch, but I was like, oh my God, I forgot how much joy that I get out of just simply doing this, you know? Yeah. So, yeah it was, I, was the encore, Don't You Want Me by the Human League? I, I opened with it and closed with it, which I thought was... <laughs> Was a nice touch, um, and and nothing in between. But do you think I'm sexy by Rod Stewart? Right. Because that that answer is is somehow yes. I don't understand why it's yes, um, but it is. Uh, you know what what else are you do, Jason Benetti? These sportscaster scenes, you and Dan Dockage doing a few good men was absolute gold that I, I watched. Oh, thanks. Uh, you and I have got to plan one, and I was thinking uh, maybe um, suddenly Seymour from Little Shop of Horrors would be a good one. Uh, I, although that's not my favorite song from Little Shop of Horrors, if we're being honest. Uh, you'll be a dentist. You have a pension for a causing things. Yes, causing things pain. Um, but no, that, that, that can work well. Well, you know what I want to do. Um, I think it's time for you and me to bring Golda and Tevya to life from Fiddler on the Roof and do a little, do a little, do you love me? Because I think that's, I think it's passionate. Oh boy. I think it's passionate. I think it's uh, emotionally vulnerable, and I think the yeah. world is the world is ready for, um, you know, uh, a couple of a couple of baseball and sports guys doing um, doing some classic classic Broadway. I think they're ready. I think you heard everybody properly. Yes, there's been a lot of clamoring for that in circles. Yes, I think you did catch that right. Yeah, I think it's out there. Um, yeah, see, you and, and we could debate who gets to be Golda, who gets to be Tevya. Just imagine the hours of, of negotiating over that one. Well, well, my my performance would be a zero, so I feel like playing 
the character that Zero Mostel played would be good. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I prefer the version by Topol, the smoker's tooth polish. Um, yeah, he has fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, I prefer him. Um, J- Jason, what's your, what's your favorite recent television intake? G- give me something that you've been uh, watching and enjoying. Uh, so the thing that's current that I've been watching, here, here's, here's the list of things that I've been watching recently, and you can make a judgment on how highbrow or lowbrow I am. Uh, Better Call Saul Season 5 was outstanding. Love Better Call Saul more than m- most things in life. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been rewatching Wings from the nineties. Oh, the uh, oh. the yeah, the airport show in Nantucket. The uh, the scene where Tony Shalhoub is learning to play the guitar and he's humming, um, and then he starts singing, "My goat knows the bowling score." And they're like, "No, no, Antonio, that's not it." <laughs> uh, it's an absolute classic. So I've been watching that. Uh, I love Survivor. I watch every season of Survivor. And then uh, just yesterday, well, last couple days, I've I've started watching uh, old, early 90s WWE matches. (laughs) (laughs) How? Why? What is it? What's happening? You get you get you get tugboat to turn on Hulk Hogan, and it's uh, boy, it's it's a tough watch. I mean, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> you know what's amazing is that we're all we're all getting this opportunity to watch sporting events where the outcome where we already know the outcome. You know? Yeah. And... I doubly know the outcome of that because I watched it and we already knew what was happening. That's what I'm saying. That was the, they were way ahead of the curve on that one. They knew that somewhere down the road we were going to need things where we knew exactly what was going to happen. And and now you're getting it. That's that's tremendous. Um, yeah, I'm I, all I, over the map, dude. I'm all over the map. And I've been watching Lucas Giolito play uh, soccer with cars on Twitch. So that, yeah. that finishes the list. I, I, I saw you tweet that. So how 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 do you play soccer with cars? And I love that you and you and Giolito have have been hanging a little bit. I saw that you popped into his chat on Twitch and got and got deleted by the by the moderator. I did. Oh. <laughs> One of the moderators called me a little troll boy and then sent me a DM to apologize, <laughs> uh, which was exciting. But they were right. I am a little troll boy. Uh, so Gio was playing his MLB The Show uh, last night, and he asked me to come in and do commentary. And then when he was done, he started playing Rocket League, which is a three-on-three game you play with people online, and you're basically like a flying car that's trying to score goals. Uh, it's actually an awesome game. Wow. And doing play-by-play of it is, is one of – I think it's actually the top line on my resume after my current jobs, like, I, or maybe ahead of my – current jobs uh rocket league is great fun i kind of want to play it now wow well you know after the 1992 royal rumble though (laughs) make make time and season three and season three of wings um (laughs) by the way i loved wings thomas hayden church i mean like you know it's a phenomenal cast it it really is the yeah and the woman uh rebecca shul who played bay is outstanding she's hilarious uh, you know, this is me uh, lobbying for wings on your television or your radio program. I, I like it. It, it. It's always welcome. Well, I'm glad that you were called a little troll boy because it's good to be reminded of the power of an online insult. I this this just fa- just happened. 
literally 10 minutes ago, apparently, my wife told me that my son, my eight-year-old son, has been playing uh, a game in the other room. He plays Roblox, which just means it's a lot of games that the kids can play. And his name is Ruben. He goes by Ruru on there. And he was doing something that another player didn't like in Roblox. And uh-huh. the, the guy chatted at him, right? He chatted uh-huh. at him and he said, Ruru, more like doo-doo. And <laughs> she walked in on my son lying in his bed crying because he, he had just been insulted online for the first time in his life. That's Aww. that 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 is that, that is some kind of virginity that has been been now broken, right? To be online insulted anonymously for the first time. Welcome to my world, kid. You know, welcome. I actually you think you should have taken one of those like mean parent pictures of him just to have for posterity. <laughs> Oh, I probably should have. Like, like, did you ever see the kid who was sad when Brett Lillibridge was traded by the White Sox? Yes, yes, oh, yes. God. He's my favorite guy. It's like filming these kids when they're crying about their ball players. Just, just wrong. But no, I think and it's, all it's you a... did was write a song about him. <laughs> That's right. But this is a big moment, I think, in everybody's life to be insulted online for the first time. But now we're back to what you're doing, Jason which is to actually bring messages of love and, and kindness to people. So, so keep doing that is, uh, is, is what I'm saying. Um, Thank you. Uh, it's cathartic to talk to you about things that uh, have to do with life because you are such a joy of a person. And I know it's called hit and run, but we're not doing any hitting and we're not doing any running. We're embracing this morning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, uh, we are uh, there's 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 a lot going on. I um, I, I all right. So I've got I've got some rapid fire questions I want to throw at you, Jason Benetti. Okay. 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 Um, mm-hmm. what one thing you really need to stop eating so much of during this quarantine right now? Uh, chocolate eclair bars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not gonna it's not gonna add up to a lot of a lot of. Was that things. specific enough for you? <laughs> That was pretty was pretty specific. Um, favorite Broadway musical, Jason Benetti. Dear, uh, currently, Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, I haven't seen it. I need to see it. Oh, God. Um, well, if we ever go out again, if we ever go yeah. out in the world, um, favorite classic Broadway musical. Favorite classic Broadway musical. Uh, I don't know that it counts. Uh, well, okay, that, uh, Music Man. Oh, brilliant, brilliant, with um, with with the chatterbox of uh, of Robert Preston, just absolutely brilliant. Yes. My uh, my father used to wake us all up uh, by playing seventy six trombones on vinyl at <laughs> top volume, top volume. <laughs> wow! Uh, so you don't really love the music man all that much? <laughs> oh no, I no I do. I was uh, I was Winthrop as a nine year old boy. Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, not Louisiana, Paris, France, New York, Rome. That was me. So, one of my college roommates was also Winthrop. 
<laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, look, if you're a nine-year-old kid who's like, you know, the son of a music teacher and you're growing up and, and, and they want you in parts, you can either play a Von Trapp kid, which I did. I was Kurt. I sang during Sound of Music. I sang adieu, adieu to you and you and you. You know, these are the things. And you, you thought can... the letter R didn't exist. <laughs> I did. Like, how dare they? How dare they do this to the letter R? Um, is Wikipedia correct? Did you play tuba in high school, Jason Benetti? I did. That's very correct, yes. Okay. And, um, and you wanted to be part of the marching band, but, mm-hmm. but, but you could not. Um, have, you, have you seen, I believe it's Take the Money and Run, where Woody Allen plays cello in the marching band. Have you ever seen I that? have not. Oh, he took my bit. <laughs> <laughs> he plays cello in the marching band, and it's a hilarious scene. He plays cello, and then he gets up and runs with the chair 10 feet in a row <laughs> straight. Oh, and that's then funny. No, down. I just, that's hilarious. No, I just, I stood there with the tuba on a stand, and then everybody moved in orbit around me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, that's beautiful. That is, uh. That's 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 exactly. I'm trying to remember which light bulb joke that is, where you just hold the yeah. light bulb. <laughs> you just hold the light bulb, and the whole world revolves around you. Yeah, um, yeah. I yes. think it's probably like the narcissist or something like that. I think so. Do you have a favorite light bulb joke of uh, of those? Um, not not that I can tell on the radio. Okay. Okay. I'll give you two real quick. The old Jewish, um, the old Jewish woman. Um, how does she screw in a light bulb? Uh, how's that? No thanks. I'll sit in the dark. That's oh. one of them. <laughs> and then, how does a surrealist screw in a light bulb? Uh, what light bulb? <laughs> yeah, fish. The answer is fish. Yeah, exactly fish. Right. Nice. <laughs> Okay. That's good. <laughs> the um, the White Sox player you are regretting not watching play more than any other right now. I am regretting not watching play more than any other right now. Second season, Eloy Jimenez. Interesting. Um, all right, let's let's stretch out there. Not Luis Robert. You thought you think Eloy with his comfort level, um, now having a year under his belt, was just ready to come out. Some gangbusters? Yeah. I, uh, the amount of people who've said to me who, who know things, like 50 homers would be fairly easy for him uh, to, to entertain as, as sort of a yearly festival. Uh, I, I, it's, it's a substantial amount of people who think that. And I, I just kind of felt like after that first month and a half when everybody was spinning in sliders, he was – and then he was – you know, when he was not hurt, he was hitting the ball really hard. I just – I'm very excited for year two of him. And Luis Robert would, would be number two. And I think I told you Luis Robert uh, was the guy I'm most excited about a couple months ago. But I've got sort of the Aloy thing uh, gnawing at me because I, I want to see what he is once he knows Major League Pitching for a season. The Sox pitcher you are regretting not being able to watch more than any right now. Well, I, I hang out with Giolito like four nights a week on Twitch, so he doesn't count. Uh, I want to see uh, Dylan Cease uh, in year real, real year one uh, fully. I, I think Dylan Cease is going to figure out how to do this in the major leagues at a high level. And Ronaldo Lopez would be a very close second. 
because I had heard from Gio and a couple others that his off season was a really strong one. But um, I would say season. I watched I watched you and Ricky Ricky Renteria on YouTube. And you said you miss plopping down in a chair in Ricky's office and just seeing where the conversation goes. And he he laughed, and that was a nice moment between you guys. And my question is, where does it go, Jason? Where? Because most of us do not get that out of Ricky. I find him to be a little guarded um, with people he does not know in the media, perhaps. And I am fascinated as to where your conversations with him go sometimes. You know, life, leadership, uh, what it takes to get a clubhouse behind you, uh, stories from his experiences in the majors and the minors, Uh, music quite often. He loves music and he loves talking about new artists and he'll just sit there and he'll play through his playlist and we'll talk about whatever. But, But he, I mean, he really does have uh, strong thoughts on leadership and the philosophy of leadership and the psychology of leadership. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to um, say anything out of turn, but that's, that's kind of, and now I, now I sound a little bit like him in the media, right? But like the, the, the whole uh, thing behind him being maybe a little antiseptic and his answers sometimes, that's not the person I know. I mean, I, I the first, time I did an event with him after he was hired as the manager we were at oh geez where was it I want to say it was Ditka's and it was a season ticket holder event and uh, Ricky got up and he started teaching the game to these season ticket holders and we were there for about an hour and 10 minutes and I called a couple people with the socks after and I was like where did this guy come from because I'd even go into the coach's office the first year in 20. 20- 16 and I, you know I don't know if he just didn't want to like uh, have his have his uh, have his personality outsize Robbins in some way because he was he was very quiet and I didn't really get to know him my first year and then he he like he got up and if and if he had a whiteboard he would have been uh, the intensity of Bill Belichick on that show he does when he teaches the game and I was like man where did this guy come from it's there he just doesn't show it very much publicly. Yeah, it, it's fascinating um, because I've heard a little of that, but I really appreciate the insight because he doesn't share it. Now, look, selfishly, I want to see it and know it so I can talk about it and feel it. But also, I think we sometimes have poorly informed conversations about Renteria and what kind of leader he is because we don't know what he truly brings to that locker room because we don't see that stuff. For instance, you talk about the music and it, in the spring, when even I was just there for a day, but all those guys playing music, there were a whole bunch of instruments lying around and your mean Mercedes was on the mic and different guys were playing different percussion instruments. And apparently this was a renteria creation where guys from different cultures were being forced together musically in the clubhouse. And I love that and think it's brilliant and fun and would love for that to be public, but Ricky doesn't want it public. So I guess we just have to respect that for the most part and know that he's doing it. Sox fans and baseball people should know that he's doing those things. Yeah, he is. I mean, he he has a theme to every spring training, but he also and and I don't know what happens in the meetings with the team, but like people are people are putting on some version of entertainment like you're talking about with music or or collecting videos from people or whatever it is. Like they're 
there is absolutely uh, a creative side to that man that's very strong. I mean, it's not just, hey, every once in a while he's got an idea that he got out of, like, the managerial handbook. He he spends a lot of time thinking about how to build a culture. And I, I know me saying it, everybody's like, well, why doesn't he just tell us that? I can't pick his personality for how much he wants to share. And I I, I respect it because I think – he has an opinion on how much he should do that sort of thing. And he really doesn't want to make it about him. And, yes. and uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to uh, apply him for sainthood for that, but it's definitely different. Yeah, no, it, it is. And I think it stands in contrast um, to the guy who replaced him on the North side. Um, I think there is, and, and I'm not saying that as a negative about Joe either. I'm just saying that they're very different in that way that one he's averse. Ricky seems averse to anything that will come off like grandstanding in that way. Um, whereas yeah, but, Joe, but he does, he does have a mind that's clever. And yes. I have seen that. I'm fortunate enough to have seen that close up and he is a genuinely kind person too. I think, uh, I think sometimes when you're, you're not as forthright, people think you're, you're like hiding something, whether it be in information or emotionally, and he's just—he's a really good soul who wants to make sure everybody's in a good place. Yeah, um, it, it that that much comes across a bit, and is is a consistent report I get from people like you who get to hang out with him more. Um, all right, last thing, deep down, true instinct about whether we see baseball or not this year. I think yes. Uh, it's, it's just all opinion and instinct, but I think, yes, I mean, obviously there, I'm, everybody knows that I know that there's a lot more going on than just baseball, but I'm going to answer the question on the surface. Um, I think, uh, it's important to the country. I think it's, and, and I'm not one of those big, like patriotism and baseball meet and the world is. Uh, healed sort of people. There's a lot of science that needs to be done here. But I also think we do need at some point to know when it's safe, to know when opening up is a good idea. And I do think baseball has an opportunity if testing is more robust for the country as well as baseball, obviously. Baseball has an opportunity to entertain at a time when there's not a whole lot of it. And I do think uh, the people who don't listen to sports, who think of sports as sort of lower brow or something that you do just, you know, on a whim, uh, there are a lot of people who care about it very deeply and rightfully so because it's the place you can go and meet new adult friends and be outside and just be part of a team. We need that. We need to be part of a team at a time, especially when it seems like we have 50 states that are distinctly 50 states. We need teams and we need to be together in some regard. And I think sports can do that at this time, but it's got to be safe. That said, I think they're going to figure out how to play at some point because life moves forward. I mean, we have been in quicksand for a month and a week and just feeling like we're doing the same thing every day and no progress and all of that. It's easy to think that when you're on Twitter, but it's really only been a month and a week and a half. I mean, that is a very small percentage of all of our lives. 
And I hope that there's scientific progress in the future that helps us dig out of this. And I have to imagine there will be. I, I have to imagine there will be as well at some point. And, and when we get that, there are going to be certain businesses that take the steps to move forward and take the risky steps to move forward. And there'll be small gatherings of 50 people and then 500 people and slowly we'll do those kind of things. And, and baseball might be one of those industries that can help lead the way and show the possibilities. Um, so Right. And, and I, do th- I do think it's important to note that if we have a treatment, it changes the parameters of the disease, let alone a vaccine, obviously. But, but the thing, we, we all assume some risk going through the world, navigating the world. We don't have percentage points over our head that says yeah. like, oh, you just did this you lose 2% of a chance of making it through your day. Like that doesn't happen, but we just need information on exactly how dangerous this is. We're, we're basically sitting at a blackjack table right now and we can't see our cards. Yeah, um, and the whole cam, the whole cam, it reinvented the entire industry. What we need is the coronavirus version of the whole cam. Thank you very much. We You're just wrapped right. it up right there. Yeah. You know, that's exactly what we need. We need Lon McCarran and Norman Chad <laughs> to narrate everything. But you know what those guys have? You know what those guys have never done? What's that? Cars playing soccer. They've never done that. That's that's true. And I, as as we were as we were coming into the segment, I thought of something. I think Cars for Kids should be a musical. <laughs> what? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> you know, I refuse to amplify that conversation on the grounds that I may incriminate myself, <laughs> sir. <laughs> well, Jason Benetti, um, if, there was, if there was no baseball or no college basketball or college football on your resume, you would remain a gem and a treasure to us all. But um, so thank you for everything you are and everything you do. And your time is appreciated. I know you have it right now. Matt, yes, I definitely do. And I'm going to go crush some Oreos and watch Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly what I figured you'd be doing. That's beautiful. Have a great Oreo and wrestling filled afternoon. Thanks, Matt. All right. You got it. Great. Jason Benetti. I love that guy. Uh, Coming up at the top of the hour right here on 670, the score. It is the Bears and Packers from December 16th, 2018. Bears clinch the NFC North. You get to live it at noon as Bears Sundays continue right here on 670, the score. Jeff Joniak will offer some thoughts before the game. After the Bears game, it is Mark Grody solo for a few hours. That should come your way around 3.30 or 4 o'clock this afternoon. And then uh, tonight at midnight, the Scores Broadcast Week continues. Les Grobstein, midnight till 5 a.m. As we are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios. Coming up next, who won the NFL draft? I know we can't really have the conversation, but that won't keep us from trying with the great Eric Edholm. We'll do that next on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let in. Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. That's a big run over at first base. And it's a pitch off the glove of Miller. So they don't have to sacrifice now. As Olmedo goes. And now Wilson and Farnsworth get into it. Oh, a takedown by Farnsworth. And a couple of haymakers landed. Whoa! Wilson takes exception. Farnsworth comes up and in. And we've got a Donnybrook. Bench is empty. And they're trying to pull folks off the pile. A takedown by Farnsworth to Wilson right out of the pages of WWF Wrestling. <laughs> oh, Sean Anderson, that's awesome. That's Chip Carey. You can hear him because he sounds like a Guy Smiley from Sesame Street doing play-by-play. You can hear the sound of the members-only jacket that Chip Carey was wearing at the time. Um, and he's calling that fight between Kyle, Kyle Farnsworth and Paul Wilson. And there's a reason we're doing that on Hit and Run, which is really bump and run, or run and shoot, or perhaps hook and ladder today, as we do a bunch of NFL. It's because our next guest, the great Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports, knew that he was coming out of the bullpen today. Because we had another guest in this slot, he had to cancel, and then we called Eric Edholm, and he said via text to our producer, I don't mind being Kyle Farnsworth and coming out of the bullpen. I don't know why you pulled Kyle Farnsworth from your big bag of references, Eric, but I'm glad you did because it let us play that clip. Yeah, let, let me, uh, the, uh, there was a bar where I used to live, Ties Till Four, and uh, kind of a late night spot, as the, the name might suggest. And I used to live over in that, that West Lakeview area when I first moved to Chicago. And I got in there one night, probably about 2.30 in the morning, asked for a beer, and I looked up and the dude serving it to me was Kyle Farnsworth. Like he just jumped <laughs> behind the bar and was slinging beers. So I was like, Hey, bro. And then I, you know, I wake up with a hangover and a few hours later, he's coming out of the pen. I just thought, well, oh, what a what a stud, man. Like, I want to be that guy. So I'm, I'm hoping to be just a little bit of that today. I got to say that explains a lot. It really explains a lot um, about your success or, you know, whatever that was in that decade. And also about Kyle Farnsworth's baseball yeah. career. It really, yeah, it works two ways. It's brilliant, right? Exactly. It really explains a lot. Eric at home from Yahoo Sports. I read with interest your grades on the first round and the second and third round. And it was interesting to see your grades on some of the quarterbacks that were taken, like A.J. Terrell by the Falcons, and there were a couple others that had C or C-plus grades, and, 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 I, and I know, like, we can't really grade until, you know, these guys play and live their lives and all of that, but it, is that why the Bears pick of Jalen Johnson at 50 feels so good and perhaps looks so good is that it seems like some first-round teams reached on a few cornerbacks, if I'm reading that correctly. Yeah, and the interesting thing about this cornerback class that I was able to gather, at least the people I talked to, was that there was a clear-cut one and two. It was either Jeffrey Okuda or C.J. Henderson. Most teams you know, had those guys, two, one and two, two and one, whatever. And then there was a drop-off, and then there was this gap between them and the, 
probably the third through the ninth best corners. Like you could flip that order around depending on which team you were talking to. So there was real disagreement. They had a lot of debates over, you know, splitting ties and saying, I like this guy better than that one, et cetera. So, you know, on my board, I mean, I had, I think I had AJ Terrell as my 46th overall player. And I think I had Jalen Johnson as my 51st or something like that. I mean, they were very close. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, from a positional perspective, you know, I would have had no problem if a team at the end of round one took Jalen Johnson. So that's why I like the pick. And as long as he's medically cleared, his shoulders aren't a concern. You know, the guy he kind of reminds me of is Prince Amakamara a little bit. I mean, that's sort of the style of player I think you're getting. And I think that'll end up being a really nice value. Uh, you know, I, I want to talk um, national stuff with you, but before we do that, my, my perception from reading about these guys that the Bears have taken is that it seems like Ryan Pace went with gamers, like guys who played well, played hard, have good attitudes, a little bit, a little bit more than what he's done in the past, which is go for traits. And going for traits has burned him in the past. So would you agree with that perception in a general sense? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good observation, too. I mean, you could argue that, you know, Cole Komet is a traitsy guy in the sense that he's only sort of played one, you know, the equivalent of one full season at Notre Dame, at least in a, you know, in a feature role. And he missed time early with the, uh, the shoulder or the uh, clavicle injury there. So, yeah, but I mean, Jalen Johnson is noted for his intelligence, right? I mean, he's not like a phenomenal athlete. He's a good one, but he's known as an extremely smart kid who's able to break down defense, you know, offensive uh, systems quickly and things like that. Um, the the kid from Tulsa really intrigues me. That was probably like from just a value standpoint, a fascinating pick, and he had a, a better pro day workout. They were able to seek their pro day in, in the early going. But I think maybe people realize he flew under the radar a little bit. It's a kid who gained like 60 pounds over his career at college. So yep. I don't know. That one, that one kind of sticks out as a keep an eye on this kid in, a, in, a, in time. So, but, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Kendall Wilder is a, you know, a kid who, I don't know, he just, he just he struck me as a, as a competitor, even if his tape last year wasn't all that impressive. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that a number of these guys sort of fit that mold you're talking about. You know, Darnell Mooney, fun player. Yeah, he's, you know, he, he's, he's a blur out there. Hmm. Yeah, Vildor is, a, is the one. He's a, it was a captain at Georgia Southern, an emotional yep. leader and stuff like that. So it struck me as like, all right, well, that's, that, that's a smart kind of kind of guy to target there in round five. Uh, but let, let's talk about the quarterbacks. Why did Jake Fromm fall as low as he did to the fifth round? And I mean, I, I know, I guess, I guess he just couldn't overcome the bad combine because without the individual pro days because of the COVID circumstances, maybe that was the issue. But that was, boy, that's a big drop for Jake from State Farm. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's exactly right. Nice little reference there. Um, yeah, I mean, I had him in my top 100. I just sort of thought, look, the smarts, the competitiveness, yep. you know, overcome any kind of athletic shortcomings he has. I thought people made too much of the arm strength thing with him. What hurt him at the combine, in my opinion, was all that talk about the arm strength. I watched him during his combine throwing session, and it looked like he was trying to gun every pass through a brick wall. And I thought, Dude, Jake, you know, <laughs> you know, have a have a have a tea and calm down a little bit, man. So it, he's a better quarterback than he showed down the stretch last year, and also at the combine. I just I'll I'll stand on that. I'll die on that hill, you know. So yeah, it was it was a fun, you know, 
sort of a projection for him to see where he'd go, and it just kept falling. And so I was I was surprised. But then again, uh, you know, until this morning, Jameis Winston didn't have a team. Cam Newton doesn't have a team yet. There were, you know, four QBs that went, or what were the five quarterbacks that went ahead of him. So, you know, I mean, that's that's the problem is that teams only have a couple of slots for those guys, and I think those spots were getting eaten up pretty quickly. Yeah, Jake um, Jake was real good against real good competition in yeah. the SEC at several different times, and that, to me, should have mattered more than, than the throws, as you're describing about, under a pressurized combine day. All right, you mentioned Jameis Winston. I think your colleague Charles Robinson had it first. Jameis Winston to the Saints. What do we make of that signing from Jameis's career perspective? Yeah, and I haven't seen the money on it yet. I'll be fascinated too. I don't know if those are out yet, but I've been I've been kind of finishing up my overall grades for the draft. But you know, clearly, I mean, it's a it's a reclamation project, much like you know Teddy Bridgewater was down there, and in different circumstances, but the same sort of concept. And you know, it was no guarantee that Drew Brees was going to be back this year. I think there was even some debate internally with the Saints, like, hey, you know, do we make a run at Tom Brady if if Drew's going to going to take a TV job there. I'm sure that the discussion was had. And so, you know, I think they were clearly thinking about the next phase and yet with so few draft picks, they only ended up with four and had to trade in to get that fourth one. Uh, you know, they, they weren't prepared. I don't think to take a quarterback with one of them, knowing that he probably wouldn't play much this year, assuming Drew stays healthy. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes some sense. And if you think, you know, Sean Payton is a quarterback guru, Maybe he's able to tap into that talent that made him the first overall pick and made him, you know, a freshman national champion at, at FSU. So it's it's certainly one of the more fascinating landing spots you could have imagined. Eric, get home with us on 670 to score. So Matt LaFleur, the coach of the Packers, in his first public comments since the draft yesterday, said that Aaron Rodgers will be the team starter for, quote, a really long time, unquote. And he thinks that Aaron will be a great mentor to Jordan Love. Now, this all does not fit with what we've heard about Aaron, but but also Aaron wanted the team to add players who can, quote, come in and help us right away, unquote. Is this situation as, as awkward as it feels from the outside? Yeah, I mean, I think, right. I mean, it's, <laughs> we haven't heard from Aaron, and there was, I guess, a fake a Twitter account. Somebody told me, I didn't know this, but I guess there was a, a fake Ian Rappaport who said that, you know, Rogers was upset. And I think some people actually jumped on that and, and took it at face value. And then that, oh you know, that probably just added to the, the potential awkwardness of the whole thing. And, you know, the day before the draft, Rogers said, whoever the pick is, you know, our first rounder, I'm going to call him up and welcome to the team. So I'd be curious to hear what that conversation was like, but you know, if there's anyone who knows about how awkward it can be, to be that guy, it's Aaron Rodgers, right? I and mean, the Brett Favre thing, everybody knows the story. So, you know, let's hope he sort of handles this in a better way than Brett might have back in the day and, and maybe sort of forge a relationship with Jordan Love, who, you know, is a kid who I think was dinged a little bit for maybe a little lack of maturity and, you know, probably needed to grow up a little bit, but nothing terrible. He was just one of these kids who, well, heck, when I was his age, I needed to grow up too so I can understand hmm. that. And he's got talent. He's, he really does. He has some, some skills that you can't teach. So the whole thing is absolutely fascinating. I don't know how it's going to play out. You know, the sense of time gets a little blurred in these COVID days. So maybe a long time is one year, two years. I don't know. But 
we'll we'll have to see what their their long term vision is. And uh, and one more quarterback question: Howie Roseman, the Eagles GM, said that Jalen Hurts is going to be their Taysom Hill, essentially, right? Yeah. Do do we believe that for a second round pick? Do you spend a second round second round pick on a guy to be your Taysom Hill? That's my question, right? And I thought somebody asked him a very – I think it was Shiel Kapadia from The Athletic. I asked a very smart question and phrased it a way that, I, that is very intelligent in the sense that what is the best case outcome for this pick? Like what, what, is, what is the absolute you know, nirvana for, for you guys making this selection? And Howard didn't have a great answer for it. I think in the back of his mind he probably wanted to say – well, we develop a quarterback just in case Carson Wentz gets hurt. We have a guy who can, you know, come in and do those things you just mentioned, the sub-package stuff. And he can do it great. But, you know, the, the probably the best result is that Carson Wentz stays healthy and then they end up trading Hurts at some point because, hmm. I don't know. I mean, they, if they develop him right, there's a chance they could get more in return than what they spent on him. But that, to me, feels like a – a little bit of a stretch. So and I love Jalen Hurts. I really do. His competitiveness, his intelligence, his confidence, it's just its great. His athletic ability. He's like a running back out there who can throw the football. I mean, that's thats a really nice thing to have. But as you pointed out, you know, as a as an eight-play guy per game, is that going to be worth the investment? We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Wentz, Wentz was injuries. They're a little scary. I, I, I will say this. I think both of those personalities – um, will make it, it will make it something that could work, no, no matter how it comes out. Because Wentz learned from the whole thing with Foles, and I think really had no choice but to mature. And we've seen Jalen Hurts be a terrific teammate to a quarterback already in college. You know, there was no so. better teammate for for Tua Tagovailoa than than Jalen Hurts. Like they competed against each other every day in 2017. You know, he obviously replaced him at halftime of the national championship game. And who was the first guy to go run out there and hug him after the game? I mean, yep. you know, and then to stick around at Alabama the next year, not just bail. I mean, that was that took some 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 poise that, that I don't think a lot of players naturally have. So credit to him for the way he handled that. And I think he'll he'll come in with a very smart business like approach to the whole thing. I um I think the achievement, the television achievement of this NFL draft is going to be talked about for a long time because it, I, I, I mean, when I saw unveiled what they had, which was this giant wall of screens, which was all 58 prospects that they had mailed these kits to, right? So they could film themselves at home. Then there was another wall of screens, which was all the different war rooms of the GMs and coaches of the AFC, another wall for the NFC. The fact that every time Roger Goodell made a pick, he had 16, I think it was, different screens of different fans of that team behind him. That this grouping of, of the Zoom technology or whatever the hell they used is, is, is an incredible achievement that's gonna inform broadcast in the near and long-term future, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, and, and look, I mean, I'm not, you know, the, the, the smartest guy when it comes to the technical aspects of, you know, TV and video production, but you're also merging the ESPN guys with the NFL network talent, and you're, you know, so you're working with people that you haven't worked with before, and so behind the scenes, I I tip my hat to all the folks who, who combined forces on this effort and, you know, mesh talent and found ways to build a rapport on the fly. I mean, all that stuff. If you're, if you're at all interested in the TV process and you thought this was a, 
you know, a strong product, think about how much, like you just said, went into it. So I agree. And it has people rethinking, you know, in the NFL, hey, maybe I don't need to spend 23 hours a day at the facility doing stuff. Maybe I can work from home and get as much done. Maybe there is a better way to do what we're doing. And, you know, GM of the Lions, Bob Quinn, had some really great comments about that, about, you know, just getting more family time and having a life. And you know what I mean? It, yep. I, I think this draft – from the TV perspective and also from the scouting perspective is going to have a massive effect on future drafts and how this thing works. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the unintended consequences of all of us working from home is realizing that we can do it. We can do it a little bit. Eric, great stuff, man. Appreciate you very much. And uh, let me know if you run into Kyle Farnsworth anytime soon. (laughs) Will do. All right, buddy. Good hearing your voice, man. All right. Thanks, man. You too. That's Eric at home from Yahoo sports right here on six, seven, the score. This has been a blast. Thank you for, uh, joining us for a hit and run slash bump and run today. Thank you to my guests, Eric Edholm, Mark Grody, Nick Shepkowski, Carlos Pena at 10 o'clock. Find that interview if you missed it. It was really good and not because of me, but because of Carlos. And Jason Benetti at the top of this hour. Find that one if you missed it. That man is a delight. Sean Anderson, great, great job. Thank you so much. Coming up next, on our Bears Sundays, it's Bears Packers from 2018. The Bears clinched the division that is preceded by Bears play-by-play man Jeff Joniak telling you some of his thoughts from that game. That's coming up next right here on 670 The Score. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Hi, Mom. Hi, LA. Hi, Mom. This is for you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get out of here. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 